You are now checked in to Stand Up New York Labs. Oh, yeah. We know nothing. 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 So give us a call. We'll give it our all. Because if there's one thing we know, it's how to pick up the phone. We know nothing, but we'll try. Hey, and we'll... <laughs> Hi. And welcome to We Know Nothing. We are back with Nikki Glazer to my left. Hey, guys. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> and to her left, John Fatigate. <laughs> how do you say last name? Uh, Fatigate. I mean, however you want. It's a made-up name. It's a made-up name. It's, it is? It's Ellis Island name. Oh. Uh, yeah, Fatigate. my grandfather and came from Italy. Just kidding. <laughs> I learned about it in fourth grade. <laughs> well, yeah, I've read, though, that name? Ellis Island swears that no one ever had their name changed there. Oh, that, like people like, but my grandfather, we had a different name in Italy. Yeah, that's the thing you hear a lot is like, we got it changed to Ellis Island. So maybe it is like an urban. Maybe it is. But I know that. Kind okay, of so like my name... I'm 10% Cherokee. <laughs> <laughs> like no one is. <laughs> well, they just want the money. Very 10% Cherokee. Um, but my name, it's the word fat and the word gate with an I in the middle. But it used to be fat. It used to be an I at the end instead of an E. Fatigati. Yeah, which is Fatigani. really, it's pretty like similar. That. We should keep Go that. back to that. I know. Well, no, but it's kind of cool, back. though. Go back. Come on, do back, it. John. We have someone here that can change it for you now. Bring in <laughs> Mr. <laughs> name change. I don't know. I just want to do it now. If you're wondering what is sorely lacking on this podcast so far, you are uh, correct. It is, <laughs> um, it is Mr. Phil Hanley. <laughs> I was going to do an impression of him and pretend he was here, but I just, I lost it. It's been too long since i've seen him do it like you're on stage at the comedy cellar and i don't I'm an know audience his member. i don't know how he talks in this where act. are you from where are you where are you from um <laughs> st louis oh okay 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 st louis okay cool and john where are you from? <laughs> okay i don't have anything to say about that that's funny he's good at crowd work in the sense that he doesn't put pressure on himself to be funny it, you don't worry about him if like because sometimes you get nothing from someone and you just have nothing to say. Then you just move on to someone else. Yeah. If but I for me, I'd be like, well, I don't, I need to say something to that. I am acting like I've never done stand up before. But when it happens to me, I, I, I don't talk to the crowd ever unless they talk to me. Really? It's How a really you, bad thing. Phil can like do actually a lot with nothing. Like he can work with, like if someone gives him nothing, it almost actually is better I for didn't him mean sometimes. Nothing. I meant like if he just doesn't want to deal with someone, he yeah. can move on and you're not like, oh, wait a second. You didn't finish that with a person. Mm. And he has so much more, not more confidence than in regular life, but he has like a kind of assholey vibe that comes off that you never see in real life, which I love. Yeah. Like if somebody gives him any attitude on stage, he will kind of, I've seen him like eviscerate people in a, in a pretty <laughs> dignified what? way. That's the real him. I know. I guess you're right. I it's like, right. you know, like if you're capable of doing anything on stage or like it's kind of some stuff, sometimes on stage I'll be meaner and like angrier or just uh s say things that i'm like that's not me but i'm like that's me that's <laughs> yeah. just me letting it out but having this right. like excuse that i'm on stage so i'm not saying that phil's a dick i'm just saying that like if he's capable of being like that on stage it means he's it's somewhere in him yeah i definitely feel really comfortable once i'm on a stage in a way that i don't in real life and I think it's because I'm allowed to do whatever I want and maybe hide behind oh I'm just performing or oh my this god is a persona. yeah uh, my friend Tom Brady who has been on the show we worked in Chicago last weekend and uh 
there was a girl at the show who was an old roommate of mine from college and she has a laugh that is like very obnoxious like it's like ha, 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 and it's like literally ha 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 but it i mean that is a perfect but it's so loud and booming she's like a very tall uh african-american woman and uh it's just like big and boisterous and uh so she's at the show and i haven't seen her in like eight years or whatever since it's been in college and uh she wrote me on Instagram. She's going to be there. And I heard her from the stage. Oh, my God. And I go, April, my roommate from college is here. I can hear her obnoxious laugh. I go, I can hear her laugh. It's so great. I was like, I fucking hated hearing that sound in college uh, every day in my room. And I was able to get away with saying that right. and totally insulting her and telling her how I really feel because I'm like, I'm on stage. And I could look at her in the face afterwards and be like, Fuck. like there was no like if I would have said that joking being funny is a great way to to get out your real feelings. It is. Come it's to a great find out. stress reliever. Yeah, but like even if you said that like in jest like in a conversation, she might even be offended a little bit. It's the yes. fact that you're on the stage that makes it okay, I feel. Yes, it, it, and there's like the, there's a buffer of having be, being on the stage and also like there's uh, 40 more minutes until I see her or mm -hmm. like right. I'm performing in St. Louis on Saturday for uh, like my fucking whole family. It feels like I'm performing in my parents basement with all their friends coming oh. like literally it's nearly sold out because of my parents friends that are like you know do you hate that because when my mom I invites her friends i'm like please stop it i hate it because do you feel like you have to censor yourself no but i feel like i do but i don't and so then i just feel guilty afterwards and i feel like weird talking to them and i mean i i have a whole chunk about what is the thing that i'm nervous about doing now Anal? <laughs> I'm not nervous about doing anal, but I'm nervous about doing the jokes about anal. I'm nervous about, and I think my boyfriend's sending some of his family, so that's gonna be weird. Perfect. But like, I don't care. It's it's it'll be fine. Like I'll decide what I'm gonna do when I'm up there. I'm not gonna give it a second. Yeah. At least on. it'll be funny. Like if you were doing those jokes and they they were bad, it would be a whole different. You yeah, know? that's true. That's very true. As long as people are laughing, you have like an excuse. You could that's say okay. anything. That's probably a big part of it too. Like. It is an interesting dynamic, like comedian and audience, because I watch a lot of stand up because I'm here at Stand Up New York, and like like Big J Okerson, especially like when you watch the stuff that he says to people, you can never say stuff like that to. He could be like very vulgar and filthy, but like in a endearing sort of a way, yeah. if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Where it's like you could never say that to a regular person, but no. he does it in a way where he gets away with it set after set, night after night, and yes. it's so funny and good. Yes. It's the best feeling to do. I remember watching you once, Nick, on stage when a girl, it was the first time you had ever said the C word on stage because this girl was being extremely Church. problematic. <laughs> <laughs> and you just called her on it, and you were like, you were, you were being such a cunt. No, I said, <laughs> I was like, is it because she corrected my grammar? Oh, that's right. I go, uh, are you guys having a good time tonight? And she was like, um, we were until you started talking, like something about like, because mm -hmm. I go, can you guys please be quiet? And then I go, are you guys on a date? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, are you guys having a good time? She's like, yeah. And she was like, until you started yelling at us or whatever. And I was like, I said something back to her and she goes, do you mean blah, blah, blah? And she corrected me and I go, are you just being like, are you just correcting my grandma or are you just a cunt yeah. or something like that? And I, uh, and I felt my, like my soul leave my body and I felt so bad. And then I got off stage and I was like, <gasps> I did it. I can't believe I did it. She going to find me. Like I was so scared. And then this, remember that woman came up from the showroom and she was like, 
I read people's auras and you are a good person. That was amazing and she deserved it. Yeah. And you're a good person. Don't even question it. And I was just like, this angel just descended and let me know exactly how I wanted to feel. It was so nice. Yeah. It's, it reminds me of this book. Now I'm going to get super deep. But it's called, my therapist recommended it. It's called The Dark Side of the Light Chasers. And it talks about how we all have this dark side That sounds like us. the book that uh, Rachel and Monica read in season one of friends it's like don't steal my wind i want to blow and ross is like you know i like that and she's like what ross ah! ross Mickey knows every line of every friend uh, no, you I, and china are the same china can recite any line well, i just know that episode. some listeners know exactly what i'm talking about and they're enjoying themselves right now so much and other ones are like i'm turning this off go on anyway with your wind chaser uh, box. forget it but it just no the about, dark side you of have that? to embrace your dark side and and i think that's what we're getting at is like everybody has that side of them like you on stage and you have to embrace it but it can feel like death. Like when you got off stage, you were like, fuck, did I just ruin my career? And then afterwards, there's like this huge euphoria Yeah, that you allowed yourself to go there. And I think the girls even came up to you after the show or was no, that a different No, it was night? just girls being like, thank you for kicking them out. That girl was such a bitch. And then that one oh, angel, right. like, but they were kind of bitches. So I was like, I don't know if these are bitches no, just telling me cute. that I'm a bitch too. And then th that one angel was just like, hello. She was like wearing like flowy garb and like like <laughs> prayer beads and was just like, hey, lady, you have a beautiful soul and she deserved it. And I was just like, oh, thank you. Do you want some hummus? Like she was um, so nice. She tucked a little amethyst right up Nikki's puss. Right before <laughs> yeah, that was so nice of her. <laughs> anyway, you're going back home. And there was, can we talk about the trauma that happened last week in oh, your yeah. house? In your house in Trauma. Um, yeah, so I was in Chicago mm -hmm. last week and I called my sister because it was her birthday and she was like, mom called me. She was like, thanks for calling. She was like, I'm out, but mom just called me and she told me Django's dying. And this is our dog, Django. He's six years old, my parents' dog. And she was like, she was crying and hysterical. And um, and then she, suddenly she convinced herself that he wasn't and that she should just, like, he probably just ate a weird bone or something because my mom obviously feels, feeds him bones. <laughs> and that he um, probably just has some kind of food poisoning or something. And she was like, so sh she went from, like, being hysterical and saying he's dying to, like, I'm just going to Google it. It's fine. And so I was just like, sure, I don't even want to call her because I don't like calling my mom when she's in that kind of, you know, like I just don't want to be involved. Like I can't do anything over the phone. I can't convince her to take him to the vet. Like I just, there's nothing I can do. So I didn't call her. Then two days later, my dad called because my dad was out of town at the time. He got back in town and he was like, or my mom texted me. She's like, Django's in the hospital. And I was like, okay. He has pneumonia. And then my dad called later that day and was like, Django is dead. Or the next morning it was like, Django died. And they, you know, he had pneumonia and it was too far gone. And, you know, and I was like, Ugh. and my mom felt, you know, really bad. But she was like, I swear I did everything I could. And, you know, it's just, and she would, seriously, I think she likes Django more than she likes me. Like, I'm not joking. Like, she wouldn't have killed, like, she was not a bad person. But um, it just, and I was telling Anya about it, and we were talking about, like, how sometimes, like, your pets die, and you realize, like, oh, it's like, I don't know. I was talking to about this with the guys backstage in Chicago, and I was like, I have, like, a lot of guilt about animals that died when I was a kid because I felt like they were my responsibility and, mm -hmm. like, I didn't take care of them. 
and I have like, remember the night I cried to you about my hermit crabs? Yeah. Sobbed. I had no idea it was a thing. Like I had hermit crabs as a kid because my dad fucking found one on a bike ride and he brought it home. He was just like, I saw this crawling across the road. And then we just got others because we were like, it needs friends. And then we just were disgusted by them because they're disgusting. <laughs> they're like spiders yeah. in shells. Uh-huh. And so we just like stopped feeding them. Their cage started smelling. It was di- disgusting. And I was too scared to like clean the cage or like even touch them or get around it. So they just fucking died and starved. And I remember like watching them die and starve and all dry out. And like, I was just like, I felt so responsible for it, which mm-hmm. I still feel responsible for because I could have done something. But like, no, my parents should have fucking done something. Like it was yeah, in their you were like house. Eight or something, right? No, I was probably like fourteen, but but I was so grossed out by them. Like I couldn't. I even had now, them too. I wouldn't. I, I killed wouldn't touch them. dozens of hermit crabs. I would just put them in a jar with sand and water, and then forget about it. It's so it's so sad, and just like I I just like have so much guilt about it. But anyway, you were telling me yeah. you were trying to comfort me and told me some stuff about your mom. Yeah, because Nikki was saying how like you know. It, the dog was under your mom's care for those days while your dad was gone. And you felt like since it was sort of like a misdiagnosed illness yeah, that could have been stopped or whatever that, you know, that that was, I guess, the, the fault or where the fault lay. Yeah. And I was just remembering I had this beloved parakeet, two of them, and my mom put them Right by the, she always insisted, if everyone remembers the episode where I was left in the snow as a newborn. One of my favorite stories of all time. Because my Russian mother believes that fresh air cures everything. We'll just (laughs) do her impression of saying that. Of course I put you outside. It was nothing. I don't understand this country. I was just merely three or four stories upstairs keeping an eye on you. And it was 14 degrees in Michigan and snowing. And then, who knows? Can you believe I look outside and police? Oh, what a stupid country. (laughs) I needed fresh air. Okay, <laughs> so yeah, fourteen degrees from a Russian woman is like hot. It's that's tropical. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, um, Anuta, we have to put your bird by the window. I'm like, Mama, it's winter. It's fucking cold. She opens it. I'm freezing in the same room. And like the next day, my bird was faced like like you know like his feet were up and he was dead as a doornail in the bottom of his cage. I get a new bird. Like two months later, same thing happens. I went away for a weekend with my dad somewhere. My mom takes care of my bird. I come home. The room is freezing cold because there's one window open. The bird's cage is right by the open window, and he's dead too. And oh she's my, like, I don't know why these. <laughs> <laughs> they're tropical they birds. Are tropical. <laughs> they are tropical birds. No, it's an animal. It mustn't be inside. Americans are so strange with animals inside. Can you imagine a dog in a house? Our dogs and cats still are always outside. Oh, my God. Tom Brady was telling a story about uh, how his mom, he was like, I kind of realized my family is like, kind of like, not, he didn't say white trash, but he was like, kind of like fucked up when he was like, I just learned two years ago that there's no such thing as like an out, having an outside dog. Like he was like, he grew up being like, we have outside dogs and they're inside dogs, but we had outside dogs. That's what I had There's outside cats. There's outdoor cats, they're called. Uh You know, where they're like 
Yeah. People leave their, but, and they never come inside or they Outside do. dogs are like the dogs people just, they just give up on. Yeah. Like that, and like they just leave them They're like called in the stray. back. Yeah. Guys, no, I, I grew up in the mountains. Our dog was all, our all of our dogs were outside dogs all the time. That's crazy. But you, when you live on tons of land, cause you're very wealthy. No, I'm kidding. I wasn't, but yeah. like, it's just poison oak everywhere and you mm-hmm. don't want the dog bringing that in the house, but it's not right. Like now that I think back on it, I'm like, I can't believe we always had our dogs outside. Like it was a special treat. Like it's Christmas, come inside yeah. for an hour. Oh my, that's like having the dog on the bed now. Yeah, you it know? is. My parents would die if they, like even to this day, having a dog in their bed. They'll have the cat in the bed now. They have an inside and outside cat. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I sympathize. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Was yeah, Django sorry. named, Jangy. was he named after Django Reinhardt? You know, no, he was named after our bird Django who flew out the window on Christmas when my dad was bringing in the tree <laughs> or a couple days before Christmas. He flew out the door. Um, he was a Senegalese parrot and so he didn't fare well in the December St. Louis climate. <laughs> Jeez. Um, so he would not come out of the tree. We were just like, Django, come down and he wouldn't come down. So then we got a dog like a year later and my parents named that. I go, you can't name the dog Django. I can't stop And so now I want that to get them another dog and name it Django. Oh I just want to keep naming I'm the dog Django. Up. Um, we named our dog after a bird. Yeah, I was so mad because I wanted that bird because I had a parakeet before Django that was lovely and the most amazing thing in the world, Kiwi. And he died because of like chemicals in his fucking cage because we let a friend take care of it while we were out of town. Don't trust anyone with your fucking pets. I know. Who aren't professionals. Mm -hmm. And um, he died. And so we got Django. And we were like, Kiwi was so advanced. He was very smart. He was a parakeet, but he could talk and he could do tricks and he would just... He was in. He was insanely, uh, like he was like a parrot in a little parakeet yeah. that's like supposed to be stupid. They're really cool animals. They are amazing. They're my favorite animals. Yeah. It and is so then your we got favorite. a Senegalese parrot because we were like, oh, these things are guaranteed to talk. Like we we're not going to gamble with a parakeet. <laughs> you know, we don't need a dumb parakeet. This motherfucker was the worst bird. It would just scr- <laughs> it screech and it was like it would bite and it was capable oh. of like drawing blood or like oh, getting yeah. your finger taken off. I'm like, scared of birds. Oh, I love them so much. But he How I, big is he? How big is he? Like? Uh, he was like the size of a venti. Like a yeah, like a grande cup of coffee. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he wasn't like a huge macaw, but he was like half the size of it. Like Did uh, he utter did he have any vocabulary? <laughs> okay. Sorry, that was pretty good. Can that be the title the of the podcast? <laughs> yeah. But Kiwi would go, this was my favorite story about Kiwi. Kiwi would talk like this. This was a perfect impression of him. He would just like do that to his mirror and he would just like throw up on his mirror and then eat the throw up off. It was really weird. It was like their way of kissing, but he thought it was another parrot. So he would talk to this mirror all day and just like be like, pretty bird. And one day, so our favorite thing to do, our our bird was in the kitchen because we loved him so much that we just like had him in the, like the, the, the table next like not in the kitchen like above the pots and pans but like you know on the side so we would sit my favorite thing to do with my friends in high school like one of my favorite things at the end of the night we would like be eating cereal late night because we were all fat and (laughs) then we would we would sit and we would only kiwi would only say words when he thought no one else was listening like if we were like watching him he would not he would be quiet and he would just like just make whistles Mm -hmm. but he would say fucking words if we if we pretended not to listen so we would sit there and just like eat cereal and like say like not look at him and just and he was in our peripheral we both heard him go 
in my voice say, Mom, I hate my fucking middle name. No. What? We were both like, what? Kiwi. He said, first of all, I love my middle name. I definitely have said all those words probably screaming at some point, like middle and name and definitely fucking at my mom in high school. But he said my voice and he would do like the telephone. But he said, Mom, I hate my fucking middle name. Oh. So in my voice that I, it like embarrassed me because I was like, I've never said that to my mom. Um, this makes me believe uh, in in a higher power. Uh, <laughs> no, they just learn how to mimic so that they can survive in the forest. How does their little ro- rock-like tongue make those words? Ooh. Isn't it like a hard little gray tongue? Yeah, but it's it's probably not the tongue. It's like their vocal cords. Okay, like I, you know, how do we make noise? Well, it's a combination, right? You use your tongue also, don't you? Yeah. Oh, yes, she do. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get back to the topic of the show, yeah. sex. Um, okay, so I uh, I went to therapy this morning, and it was my first time going in like two and a half months. And by the way, I'm happier than I've ever been right wow. now. Right? What's going on? Maybe because you're not being so introspective. You're just doing stuff. I mean, I had a couple issues that I wanted to talk to her about, and then we cleared them up, and I was like, cool. Like, they were just like very surfacey things that like they weren't deep-seated. And the deeper stuff she was trying to like – put on me i was like no i'm not i really have given mood. up on that person or whatever <laughs> so <laughs> which person you know uh i, I don't want to say but like they're oh oh yeah a person yeah in like your life where she's like you have issues with that person i'm like no i've actually i don't expect anything from them anymore if they are just a person that i know you know like right. i'm not whatever so i feel happier than i've ever felt but i um we were talking and she was i was still saying that like because i don't drink and i don't smoke pot that like my only thing that I reward myself with now is food and like I can like go crazy or like I get into like one kind of food or like I'm like super into froyo everyone knows that and um I I reward myself with it and she's like well and I go but I always go overboard like I get too much and she was like it's because it's not rewarding enough like you need some other stuff and I was like I don't know what else to I go I've been doing more massages and that's been helping and like treating myself to facials and like relaxing things she's like that's good and I was like and last night I masturbated and it was fucking great you did yes oh my god you never do I think that's a first I know but it was no it wasn't it it was on the phone with Chris but it was I mean I haven't I haven't had sex in over two weeks because I haven't seen him or no I guess it's been like a week and a half but like you know I don't do it otherwise and so I fucking masturbated and then I was just like so happy and relaxed and before that I was like I want to go eat like before that I was like <laughs> right. I'm gonna get out of bed and make something because I just feel this unrest you know and then yeah. I rubbed one out and I was like like just Sounds felt like so great calm night. Yeah. and I, like and I always feel night. that way after sex with him but I never like and I always feel calm and amazing and like I don't need anything else. I'm just like, I'm going to go to bed. But having that feeling by myself was like a new thing to me. Like, yeah. And waking up and feeling like good mm-hmm. and like just like relaxed is like, so I just like, and so we worked out a plan. She was like, you need to do it once a week and you need to make it a priority. And I was like, okay, I can do that. <laughs> I love this. Yeah. It was fun. It's such good a great, trait. it's a great um it's a great way to relieve anxiety. We talked about this before. I yeah, I it. know. And I, it's it, this is like a new you because before you were like, I just can't imagine lying there and being like, ooh, I'm so cool. Well, I <laughs> I can't still. I had to have him on the phone like right. 
listening and participating. It's so funny to me as a guy to hear like this, <laughs> like 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 you like you're shrink, like you're told you to do this. Yeah. Because, like guys, it's just it just happens. Like you guys have to you be told have not no to do it. No arms, and it's still gonna happen somehow. <laughs> you know. Right. Like, oh, right. That's cool. you know what I mean. It's so weird. Well, I have we are. constant sex dreams, like really, really graphic, disgusting dreams uh, that that I think get me off like in my sleep, mm-hmm. like in some kind of way or like release whatever that is lately. But like, I just need to take care of it this way. My boyfriend is actually trying to watch less porn. Like it's so funny cause he was like the other day, two days ago, he was like, I'm cutting down on masturbating because like, I just, I just want to focus more on stuff. You know, like I, I know a couple guys who are doing this right now. Mm-hmm. And I was just shocked to hear him say that. Cause it's like, you know, he, he it's a thing that he likes to do on a daily base. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so now he's cutting back and I'm like, I need to do it more. And so I'm like, yeah. give me some of yours. Like I, it's, it's, but it's funny to me that like, yeah, I, most guys are like, I need to do it less. And I'm like, I need to do it at all. And it's so great. It's such a great thing to be able to do. It is. I, I think the pleasure center in the brain has to contain the, the neurons or whatever, the, the nerve endings for food, sex, drugs, like all those pleasure centers have to be in the same spot. Yeah. I experience the same thing you do with like, oh, why am I relieved of that craving all of a sudden? Because I went on a date or I whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, like it thank, pretty incredible. It's crazy. I never very, very rarely do I miss drinking ever. Yeah. yeah. Because I think I have so many other things that, that relieve anxiety now. Oh, yes. neither of you guys drink at all anymore? No. Wow. We are in a sober house. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. How long has it been? It'll be five years for me next month. I think it's like the 17th. I'm going to make it the 23rd, though, because I like that number better. Mm-hmm. I can, I never remember the exact day. Um, it was such was a boring... December 9th. Uh, <clears throat> three years, December 9th. Wow. Does it feel really... Do you feel like much healthier now? No. No? <laughs> because I abuse my body with food and yeah. like... <laughs> She's uh, way healthier. She's being modest. No, I, I am healthier. Like I, but I don't feel like I feel healthier in the respect that like I'm never hungover, yeah. and that's like or suicidal. As no, much. I I was still suicidal after and like depressed after I quit drinking. Like maybe even more so. Really? Like yeah, because there was no thing to numb that pain. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like I, I just never get hungover anymore, and I think being hungover is like. That's just, you're just sick all the time. It's true. Even if it's just for the morning or until six o'clock mm-hmm. or until three o'clock, you're like, that's a morning of being sick, yeah. like really sick. If no, you were like true. that all the time, you'd be like, I have the flu right now. <clears throat> yeah. I can't go to work. But we all like muster up the courage to go to work and keep our appointments when we're hungover. No, you're fucking sick. Yeah. Yeah. Like I've, it, it's crazy to me. I used to drink like really hard, like a lot, you know. Now I've kind of like mastered, like I'll have like a glass of wine or something at dinner. And even when I go out, I won't usually get to the point where like I'm like, oh my God, I'm I'm really drunk. Yeah. Like I almost don't get to that anymore. Like like we had our holiday party here the other night and I was there probably that night. Yeah. But that's like maybe once every couple months. And like I, I'll only get hangovers from like those situations. Yeah. But well, still, like, good. was there like a turning point where you're like, I had this has to happen, or was it just like this is a better way? Yeah, of living, there or? was because I, um, well, I've always noticed that the most successful people are sober, like the people who I would like to be, like either are not, they're either sober or they, if if they have a drinking problem or had a drinking problem, they're sober, or they just don't drink a 
a lot or at all, like just by happenstance mm-hmm. because they're not an addict. And I noticed that like you can't be successful if you drink like I was drinking. You just can't. Like you can up to a point. My therapist said this today, which I thought was interesting because, you know, some artists are like, I got to drink to make that album or write that book. And she's like, that only works until it, it and then you go too far. Like you get too far down the holes. Like you can't keep going like that. Like if you if you get... If you're an, a, a, an alcoholic and you make the best album of your life, maybe the second album, yeah, you still have it in you to do that, but like eventually it's going to kill you. Like right. you can't. The disease gets progressively worse. And yeah, you can't just stay at like two That's drinks a day. That's why anyone's saying I'm going to taper it down. <clears throat> mm-hmm. It doesn't really. If you're an if you're an alcoholic who wants to get fucked up or have been like that, then it's. When people say I'm cutting back, it always, not in the way that you're saying, like, I, I truly believe that you're not making, like, an effort to cut back. You're just like, I don't want to do, yeah. like, it's just natural. But people who try to, like, you know, willpower, it, it it just doesn't work. It won't work. Yeah, it's like, because, like, with cigarettes, I understand, because, like, I can compare, like, my addiction to cigarettes. I was so addicted. And, like, yeah. it's either all or nothing. Like, yeah. I've tried to, like, cut back, and it just goes right back no, up to full throttle. Do. So I have to just like completely cut them out of my life and then I'm I'm fine again. Yeah, people, I always it's the only way. have a lot of uh, sympathy for people who are like, I'm cutting back because I've done that before. Mm-hmm. Same as a diet. Mm-hmm. They don't work. You will always, always go back the other way and full throttle the other way. Mm-hmm. If you abstain too much, if you're if you're feeling like you're missing out and you're like, you will eventually go the other way. But if you realize that smoking's terrible for you and that you're not really abstaining from anything because it's not helping you in any way, then you won't give back in. But food, for instance, if you're like, I'm gonna, I love cake, but like, I'm never gonna have, I'm just not gonna have cake on this new diet. You'll eventually have cake again. Sorry, but you will. You can't say the rest of your life you're not gonna have cake. And then when you do, you like it, diets just don't work. And it's the same as cutting down on stuff. Anyway, I'm getting preachy about that. But um, my rock bottom was I was working in Cleveland and the night, uh, it was like a sat- Friday night. I had like a couple craft beers. Like I wasn't even like wasted. I remember like being at the bar alone, being like, what am I doing? Like I'm just hanging out with this bartender after my shows. And I'm just like, and I went home after having like three beers and then I woke up the next morning and death was at my door. Like I just, mm. I felt worse than I've ever felt in my life with a hangover. And I mean, I felt really shitty, really shitty. And I couldn't like walk. I couldn't go eat. I couldn't do anything. And then I had a show that, I had two shows that night at 7.30 and at 9.30 or whatever. And um, I was supposed to also go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame free that day and go on a private tour. Couldn't wow. do that. Had to cancel that. Um couldn't get out of bed until seven o'clock to go to the show. I was in the shower crying and I just thought to myself, and I've said this on a million podcasts before, but it's if you're struggling with wanting to quit, like this is what a bottom feels like. I felt like, I feel like I'm dying right now. Like this is the way you feel when you're about to die. Like I mm-hmm. felt like I was, it's the worst I've ever felt. And I was like, I could die right now. And it's like, I did this to myself and I don't want to feel like this again until I'm dying. Like this is a thing that I have control of for now and so I'm going to and then I went home and I read Alan Carr's Easy Way to Stop Drinking which is the best book ever and also The Easy Way to Stop Smoking Alan That's, Carr I used the smoking one once Me yeah. too. it worked like a charm Me too. yeah and The Easy Way to Stop Drinking is just as great and a bunch of Joe List who was on the podcast last week used it um, and uh, Dan Soder another person who's quit drinking and smoking I believe at this point used it like I've turned a lot of people onto it um, 
another comedian wrote me two days ago saying he just celebrated two years sober because he read that book and uh, I recommend it. To, like, so get that book if you are ready. But you got to be ready to quit. I don't mean to get all like dense in this podcast, but like if one. No, oh, I love it. If one, one person, person is affected. But seriously, the, the thing is, I'll, this is the last thing I'll say. I knew that I wanted to quit at some point. And if you are a drinker and it's a problem in your life and you're like, you know eventually you're going to get to a point where you're like, I'm going to have to stop doing this, which is how I felt. If you know that someday you're going to want to stop, but it's not now though, just order this book. Have it on your shelf because the day will come when you do hit a bottom and you're going to want to grab it off the shelf and start reading it. Because when you start reading it, you won't be able to stop. And by the end of the book, you will not need to drink anymore. And it will be very easy to not drink anymore. Wow. So, but just, I had the book handy. I didn't read that book to quit drinking, but I did read it for smoking and I couldn't wait to get to the end. I was like racing with excitement to get to the last. You get to the end. And I was like, I'm a non-smoker. I'm so excited. And I never had withdrawal. I never had a hard day. Because it's all brainwashing. It's all propaganda by the cigarette companies that you are as addicted as you are. But he really helped me retrain my mind. This is about the smoking thing Mm -hmm. into like every time I saw a smoker instead of being jealous or envious i would feel pity and identify with them and be like god i don't have to do that anymore yeah but we also he also made me realize we smoke for different reasons that's why one thing like the patch or nicotine lozenges or whatever doesn't work for everybody because we all have different triggers i might pick up a cigarette because my grandma died or pick up a cigarette because i just got a job so you're only gonna pick up a cigarette two times then if your grandma dies (laughs) (laughs) so that seems harmless uh yeah no i i I think he's saying that the those things don't work also because you're not you're not addressing which the thing is which is nicotine addiction it's not about it's you're still dependent on something right yeah and you will go back and it's the fastest drug to leave your body and guess what people never stop sucking those lozenges and eating that gum that's crazy and using those yeah i have friends that have been addicted for 12 years and the gum is like maybe as expensive as cigarettes at this point i tried the gum once it didn't even do anything it just made me feel gross it was disgusting that's because it made me smoking is disgusting too yeah you know what was cool about Alan Carr that I, because I, I read the easy way to stop smoking was when you think about quitting, even like all the terminology makes you feel like you're giving something up. That's exactly. Like, like that's quitting. why it's called I'm stop qu- smoking. Yeah. Because you're that- stopping doing a thing that is like, I'm stopping punching myself in the face. Yeah. You mm. wouldn't say I'm quitting punching myself in the face. So he's like, all right, well, let's flip it around. You're actually gaining all of these things. You're not, stop thinking about what you're giving up. Start thinking about all the things you're gaining. And then when I kind of started looking at it like that, I was like, oh my God, that's really great. And then it was just easy from that point on. And that's the same thing he does with, uh, with the drinking book is just pretty much tells you like you're, you get nothing from drinking. Mm-hmm. All the things, he to go step by step of all the things that you would be like, well, it makes me relax. It makes me talk to women easier. It makes me do like all the things he's like, Actually, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Actually, it does. Like uh, all of them. And then by the end of the book, you're like, I don't have one good reason to drink anymore. And I, I mean, there are times where I'm like, God, it would be fun or it would be, uh, you know, I just, I would love to get that two drink Nikki going. And mm-hmm. that, that's a, I'm stealing that from Mike Birbiglia because he's like, two drink Mike is like, he's cool. He has, uh, he knows a, like a, a magic trick. He dances. <laughs> yeah. But like four, five drink Mike is like, has strong opinions about the, about wildlife. Like it's just like, he yeah. is, like, he's just like, you turn into like that's a monster. I, I, I'm butchering his bit, but it's, it's brilliant. And it's on two drink Mike, I believe is the album. But uh, yeah. So that, 
was my point about all that. What I about want, like when you go on vacation or something like that? Like what about like when you're in a situation where you just want to like kind of cut loose? I just do you had miss that. It then? Is it weird or like how do you deal with that? I had a weird moment when I was in Mexico with my family the last two weeks, and I, I I'm like pretty active in in the the whole recovery scene when because I that works for me, and um, I like almost picked up a beer and guzzled it this one day. I happened to be really dehydrated. I never think about drinking. I never crave the taste or anything like that, but I was really dehydrated. It was hot. It was a hot day. I never even liked beer. I think I had just eaten something like really dry, like a sandwich or something. And um, it was just sitting there like a cold glass of beer. And I just almost like instinctively went to just grab it and like guzzle it down and didn't. But then, you know, those thoughts pop into my head once in a while, like, why am I the one that's not drinking at this party where, like, everyone's having a glass of wine? <clears throat> and for me, that moment of, like, that rock bottom that Nikki, like, I wish I had had a moment like that, but mine was really w- gradual. Like, I had just struggled a lot with, like, four months off, and, like, I was one of those people that was like, I'm just going to do a cleanse. I'm just going to take a break, and I was pretty effective. Like, I had a lot of willpower. And I would go through periods of like, I haven't had a drink in six weeks or the longest I ever went was four months. And I felt really great, but I always intended to go back. And in my family, I was known as like the moderate one, always the most moderate one with everything. And then it just got out of control. Like on tour, it was a really quick acceleration from like being moderate to being way out of control and like going to drugs and all that stuff. And uh, and then my body started to fail me. And I always have kept journals And during one of these periods of like abstinence from drinking, I started rereading my journals and I was like, holy shit, my moods are so predictable. Have a drink on Monday with some friends, write in my journal, like I feel normal, I feel great, I feel connected. And then by Thursday, I'd be in this really low grade depression. Like I feel bad, I hate all my friends, I hate my life, I actually hate my career, like really dark thoughts. And then it would start over again. And it just was like this cycle. And I finally started to see the cause and effect. Like it's obviously the drinking. Every time you drink, dude, you fall into this depression. And then if I wouldn't drink for a while, I'd be like, I feel great. I feel ambitious and confident. And I love my life and I love my friends. And then all of a sudden out of the blue, I'd get drunk or I'd have a few drinks and then the same shit would happen. And then a doctor finally was like, I think you have a really bad allergy to alcohol why don't you take some time off which i did and then it just like turned one month turned into six months turned into a year and then i met nikki and like i was two and a half years sober or something and she was like she said something where i was like i still think about maybe going back someday and she was like really i love being sober i'll never go just you know the way she is you're so Mm -hmm. like emphatic yeah you're just so you know exactly emphatic and I don't know, something in that moment, it like helped click me over into like, yeah, I'm committed too. And I'd always kept track also of people that were sober and successful. And I was like, why is it? It's like the secret society of like the really cream of the crop successful people either barely drink or have, or are like recovered alcoholics and don't drink at all. Yeah. And I think that it just has to do with the way you said you felt when you stopped smoking. You were like, yes, Mm -hmm. I'm a non-smoker. Poor people who smoke. I feel bad for you. I feel it, but I'm not that anymore. Yay. Yeah. And that's the way I felt about like drinking. Like I'm like, I'm out. Like Uh I don't need it anymore. It's not an option. It's not a burden for me. It's not like, and when I'm at parties or when people are drinking or on vacation, like you said, like the thing is that book teaches you that like, 
places you think that drinking makes it more fun and enjoyable and more relaxing, it doesn't. Like you just you're not enjoying it as much as you could. And then, for instance, the stand up New York holiday party mm-hmm. got the email, thought about it, and thought if I go there, it's not going to be fun for me because I'm sober mm-hmm. and because everyone will be shit faced. And when you when you're sober in that situation, you realize this isn't this isn't fun. If I was wasted, I'd be like, that was so fun. But it isn't fun because everyone's just drunk and yelling at each other. It's not (laughs) real fun. It really isn't. And when you get sober, you start, you can then differentiate between real fun and not fun. So then you don't feel like you're missing out because you go to things that used to go to wasted and you're like, oh, this was never fun. I was just deadened. Like I was just ruining my, like I was just, uh, you know, like you're pretty much like, putting yourself to sleep you're like when you when you get drunk it's a it's a um what's a real relax what is it called a depressant depressant so you're you're not even you're putting yourself to sleep you're not functioning so you can't tell what's fun and what's not fun you think you're having fun but tell me about all that fun you had oh you can't can't remember okay well then what is the point one surprise from sobriety for me was i thought like nikki said earlier i would become more dull or something and i just got goofier it like almost it brings you more into yourself and it gives at least it gives me like even more self-confidence and self-acceptance and i started to be crazier like i have an ex-boyfriend that got sober and he was always wild wild when he was drunk and he's even more insane now i mean in a fun way yeah so i feel like i i can be much more fun and i don't feel like i'm missing out at all yeah i really don't and that and i wouldn't have been able to say that four years ago i would have been like I, I can't see my life without it. Like I, uh, it's going to be a huge struggle. And now it doesn't even come up. It doesn't. Yeah. I don't even think about it. The one thing I would, I, I mean, I make like poor decisions when I'm drunk, and I would. Like, I thought like, you were going to say I make porn. <laughs> <laughs> I know, we keep drinking. <laughs> <laughs> we need that. But like you know, like when you go to a party and you eat like way, way, way too much food because you're drunk, like mm-hmm. that yeah. is that's even worse effect than being drunk i think like eating like 50 cookies at a party oh that was me that was always me i'd be like the girl with the wine stained lips (laughs) that was like over in the corner by the chocolate chip cookies like hey nice to talk to you but i'll just be guarding these for a while (laughs) oh i wouldn't i wouldn't eat in public i would go home and like fucking go to town i would like leave a party drunk and then just fucking and then you wake up next to all these you know like empty cartons and shit. You're gonna like, say men. Oh, I'm gonna say rappers, <laughs> but I always, I always say rappers, but then I make the joke rappers. But like, you wake up next to all this crap that you just ate and you're like, fuck, like this is worse than waking up next to a guy. That was one of my bottoms. I was in a hotel room, I think in Cleveland, and I didn't remember the night. And I blacked out. And I, at this point, toward the end of my drinking career, I was blacking out after two drinks. So that's how I knew I had an allergy. Oh, I, like, I definitely did that. You yeah. did? Oh, yeah. I would black out from nothing. Wow. Yeah, it really is a physical allergy, I think. And um, I all I, rem- I was trying to piece together the night because I woke I never used to sleep naked. Now I love it. But um, I woke up naked in my hotel bed by myself. There was there were Eminem rappers, famous Amos rappers, like all these food <laughs> rappers everywhere. I had no recollection. There was chocolate on my hands and mouth. I felt horrible. I'm <laughs> naked and I'm like, oh my God. And I remembered the night before being too lazy to put on my nightgown. Nightgown, who has that? I don't know you. what I mean, like a tank top. <laughs> and um, I remember like 
putting the deadbolt on my hotel door so I wouldn't have to like bring my key with me to the vending machine. And I and my ro- hotel room was like, I don't know, 12, 20 feet from the vending machine, from the door. The vending machine was that far from the door. And I just walked naked into the hotel hallway. I think I crawled because I could barely walk. I was like weaving. Jesus. And I remember like nakedly crawling. Like in, what's her name? Sharon Stone in Casino. <laughs> down the hallway oh just God, grasping yes. the wall and buying like Reese's pieces and a bunch of shit and bringing it back to my room because God forbid I put a tank top on and grab my hotel room key wow yeah I'd done shit like that just like oh boy I was fun <laughs> <laughs> gosh I missed the old fun fun on but you. I've done that sober not crawling yeah. with a tank top on though. you know what I'm saying like yeah. I've, I've woken up next to some crazy shit just like sober just like gone in that like uh, gotten high off of food how does sure. your like dating life change when you become sober though like is it did you date anybody that wasn't sober that was drinking still or I mean does your current boyfriend drink or not no and that's the first time I met him I thought he was drunk because he's just so fun mm-hmm. and when I met him I was just like oh like I, I was hopeful because my friend had been like you're gonna like this guy and he's cute and he's from St. Louis and I was just like oh my god that's like all the things I want and then I met him and he he seemed too fun to be sober and he had like a coke in his hand but it, it was watered down so I was like oh that looks like Jack and Coke or whatever and I was just like Oh, he's drunk. So I just like dismissed <laughs> it because it just wasn't an option for me because I have dated guys who um, have drank and it just isn't going to work because I just, I look at people who drink like, I, I, not that I pity them, but I just like, it's a problem you haven't addressed yet if you if you drink even like with some kind of regularity. And, and I know that it, people argue with me on that all the time. I have great friends who do that. But I, it's just not someone I want to be with, like at all, because it's just I have too much of it in my family and stuff, and it, it, it's a slippery slope. Like you can be in control now, but like ten or fifteen years down the road, when we're married with kids or whatever, like mm-hmm. shit might hit the fan. Yeah. Um. So any, and also when you go on on dates with guys who drink, like they are just, or dates or hang out, they're just so aware that you're not drinking. Yeah. And it just is too hard. But I. But yeah. So when I found out he wasn't drinking, I was like what like no way like there's no way and my friend was like no he's never drank ever like there's no way he was drinking that night and i was like but he was he was totally like all over the place and like like very affable and she was like no and i was like wow like and i said on a previous podcast that i was disgusted with him the first night i met him <laughs> um and i don't remember that i, I did say it and i just want to say right now i was only saying disgusted because i'm disgusted by drunk people when i think someone's drunk i'm uh, that is my initial reaction is like ugh like i don't want that a part of my life not that i was like thought he was disgusting i just like I didn't mean the word just like I just want to clear it up because he has heard that and it was not nice of me to say about the person that I love and who I was not disgusted by. But like when I see a drunk person who I think is like overly drunk, I'm just like, ugh, you know, so yeah. that's what I meant by that. And I just want to clarify. Got it. You're cute. <laughs> How about you, Anya? I have not had a boyfriend in 48 years. Um, no, I'm I'm not quite like Nikki. I like alcoholics and addicts a lot. I'm still very attracted to them and think they're fun. And I actually do kind of like being around it in a weird way. It's kind of fun for me. But then I also could be could easily be at a party where everyone's drinking and leave after five minutes just because it's boring. Um, I don't know. I, I haven't, I'll have to get back to you about it because I've dated people who barely drink. I've dated people who don't drink at all. 
Um, I've been on a date with somebody who had one beer and he was slurring. And I, for some reason, I was like, I'm not into this. So it kind of, I don't know. I'm still sort of working it out. Yeah. What about you? Me? Well, uh, I don't know. I mean, I feel like if I if I dated someone who doesn't drink, I think I would worry that they're like judging me all the exactly. time. Exactly. We're not. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, we are. I just said I was. <laughs> um, but like, I don't, but like I said, like, I'm not like, I don't get sloppy drunk. Yeah. But here's the thing. You don't often. strike me. Don't worry that, about know? being judged because you must have some insecurity about it if you feel like you're being judged. I because used to you, be that no. girl. I used to be John where I'd be like, I don't like hanging out with people that don't drink because they're probably counting my drinks or looking at yeah, me. Yeah, because you were counting yeah. your drinks and no, looking at right. me. No, you're right. You're right. I was. But um, I don't know. Then once I quit, I really didn't care. It, only if I was like, yeah, for, I'm going back to this one date I had with a guy who was like, I hardly ever drank. And then he drank and you're just getting kind of silly and stupid and slurring. And I felt, you know what it was? I felt disconnected from him. But then there's other people, like the most recent person I've been out with, who had like four drinks and I've never been more connected yeah. to somebody. So I think it's on a case yeah. by case. Basis. And like if my friends drink, I don't judge them. This is just like in someone I want in a long-term relationship. Like, And on a date with a guy, like if I went on a date with you and you had like a couple beers, like there's no part of me that would be like... Well, like I'm talking about people who seem to have like who seem to be uh, using the willpower method to like keep their cool around me. But if mm-hmm. someone's naturally only wants to have two beers and that's what they do, then that's fine. Like I hang out with people like that all the time. Yeah. But it's just like uh, I can I can sniff out an, an addict. Yeah. Usually the addicts are the ones that are like, are you is this going to be weird for you? Are you yeah. OK with me drinking? I'm like, dude, get over it. I just think a lot of people feel on. like they can't like socialize without alcohol. Like I think that it's be, we've become like very dependent on alcohol as a culture. Like we can't like just hang out with people yeah. without using it. You I know? know people who are the best version of themselves two drinks in like literally. It, it, and that's not just referencing the mic thing again. It's like two drinks. This girl, I fucking love her more than anything. Sober, she's a cunt. Really? And then three drinks, she's a cunt again. But two drinks, she's <laughs> lovely. <laughs> I can't. I'll tell you after okay. the show. But like, I, your and, mom. But it it really is like sometimes it is a great way for a person to be the best self. But it is it's you cannot maintain it. There's yeah. no way to like keep that so level funny. of drunk. My mom was drinking on this trip that I went on to Mexico, and it was so funny because by the third day of spending so much time together, I was like, here we go. I know exactly the point in her drinking where it's gonna the monologue is gonna start that goes i love my girls and this sunset and i don't know what it is maybe i'm high she always calls being drunk high i think i'm a little high but i'm so happy it's for probably my the family yeah and she just repeats herself and and just starts repeating i think the that's sentence. a very common thing for people to start talking about how much they love everyone yeah because mm-hmm. it's like oh my anxieties are gone i'm not worried about you know what i love my life yes that was me <laughs> i remember the first time i got drunk in high school i told uh, this chick, Katie Hufford, that I loved her. Like, I was just like, I love you. Why aren't we best friends? And we were just like on this couch, just like, I love you. And then I got, the next day I was like, I don't love her. Like, she's a, an okay hang, but like, th- in, in no way do I love her. Like, I was talking to her like she was like, and I just remember being like, that was really weird. Why did I do that? But I also remember saying the first time I drank, 
this is the best feeling in the world. Why aren't we always like this? Yeah. <laughs> I remember saying that. Like, why don't we that's always do know. this? What? That's insane that we're not always drunk. Yeah. Because this is the best. I read, I re- just wrote this down the other day because I was talking about how like the first three years into my sobriety, I was like, I don't even think I belong here. Like, I don't even know why I'm doing this. I don't even think I'm an alcoholic. And somebody said, and I love this so much. They said, if the cure works, then you've got the disease. And the cure was working for me. Like for three years, the just cure. Just listening to the cure. <laughs> yeah, just over and over. It. Love cats, love cats, love cats. <laughs> um, but it was working. It was really working. I remember like a person in, in my life that I value very much was like, is it working? Like, is your life better? I'm like, I looked at is everything. Is it working? Is, is it, it worth it? it? My Did journals were better. My <laughs> yeah. moods were better. My body was better. My mind was better, cleaner, happier relationships cleaned up so yeah so it's like i did the same thing with, i'll end on this with or i guess we can end yeah. on this i don't yeah. mean to like call oh it my the god shots. long one uh when i take zoloft which i took for a while i was like i feel great <laughs> like i don't need this anymore and then i stopped and i was like everything is the worst and then i instantly got depressed again like that's a common thing that people do on antidepressants they're like i don't need this anymore i feel great it's like no because it's working you fucking idiot like you have a problem and it's exactly. working and I'm um, back on it, and I haven't had a low low in, uh, since I've been back on it. All right. It fucking works. Congrats, Nikki. Thank you. What a great show. I think we really covered some bases here. We this sure might did. not have been for you, uh, <laughs> but if it was for you, it was totally for you. <laughs> Hashtag RIP Django. We miss you, Nikki. I hope you get yeah, a bird. Yeah, sorry, Thank Nikki. Thank you. John, thanks for joining too. us. Yeah. Thanks, Great Johnny. I'm so happy to have you back in the studio today, Nikki. Me Thank too. you, John. Uh, Nick, I think you're, you're, the next podcast we do will be your last. It will be my last, um, and it will air next week, right? Yeah, um, something like that. From now? Yeah, like just a week from now. Less than a week at this point. And uh, you can catch me at um, in Edmonton, uh, Canada, the first week of February. Oh, okay. And the second week of February, I'll be in Traverse City, Michigan at a, oh, a really? festival that is put on by Doug Benson and Michael Moore. And then you can also just find all my dates, and there are a ton, at NikkiLaser.com. And I will be at David Tell's show at Village Underground, uh, at the Village Underground, January 27th, the late show, the 1030 show. I can, think you can find that online uh, through Dave's Twitter or my Twitter or the Village Underground site. Phil will be appearing at the Ann Arbor Comedy Showcase February 22nd through 24th. Hecklers in Victory, BC, March 10th. And Comedy Mix in Vancouver, March 12th through 14th. There is a club called Hecklers. That's the worst. awful. <laughs> Jesus. Good night. John, thank you. Oh, it's so good to be here. I love you guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs>